Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and then I tell it to you. Yes. I rhymed that in the moment. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I would never have guessed that that was in the moment. I thought that you'd prepare that in advance. I uh, know. I, I spent hours and hours working on that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I was noticing that we are basically like halfway through season two. Nice. With this episode. Wow. Time flies. Yeah. It's kind of wild. I was like, yeah, I was kind of surprised to have realized that. But I was also thinking that, you know, given that our recording schedule is like pretty far ahead of our episode release schedule, mm-hmm. by the time our listeners hear this episode, our recording schedule will probably be pretty close to the end of season two if we're not there already. Whoa. So I wanted to tell our listeners that if you have any ideas about something we should cover in our season two, like special bonus wrap up episode, now is the time to tell us. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you wait for the actual episode, it'll be too late. <laughs> we'll have already uh, recorded it. <laughs> uh-huh. Of course, if you think of ideas at that time, you can, you can tell us and we might save them for season three, but you'll have to wait a while to hear that. Yeah. If you have ideas about the season two one, let us know. Yes. I mean, you can also ask us on Twitter or an email and we'll probably answer you. Well, we will answer you um, because we love interacting with our listeners. Um, But if you want it actually incorporated in the episode, we have to be a little more uh, intentional about that, a little little more proactive. Indeed. I I feel like we had a few good topics of discussion in our season one wrap up. I imagine we'll probably cover at least some of the same ones, uh, but maybe we'll come up with some new ones. And yeah, if any of you have uh, a suggestion that we like, then we would cover it as well. Excellent. Yep. I mean, you probably couldn't stop me from uh, talking about my favorite ships, no matter what. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's going to be a staple of our wrap-ups. Excellent. Well, that's pretty much what I had for for the intro on this one. Cool. Well, I, I mean, I just wanted to also say that this is our second episode that we're recording in person. Indeed. Um, so, you know, Kyle and I are here sitting next to each other, talking to a microphone, talking to you, really. You're just currently represented by a microphone. The microphone is is, is just the stand-in for all of you listeners. Yes, I, I assume you two have three legs and a big round head, and just a, like our microphone. <laughs> glowing light on your forehead, yes. kind of centered above your eyes. Yes, um, and with that mental image in mind, um, <laughs> yep, we can proceed. Oh, and if you, you hear any other voices, um, our, our partners are in the other room. So it's just part of the ambiance, part of the charm of this episode. If you hear any, any other voices. Indeed. Unfortunately, our occasional co-host Matilda will not be joining us on this episode. However. Yes. And we will not have a special guest co-host beans cause he is not talkative when people are over. So, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, usually in this, at this point in the afternoon, he's usually asleep anyways. So yeah, that's that fair. Too. If I were a cat, I would be asleep right now too. Yes. Well, 
This is the 20th episode of season two, titled Invasion. And would you care to remind us of the Cliff Dangler? Oh, yes. I mean, how can we forget the, uh, the epic, uh, magnificent, sprawling <laughs> Cliff Dangler of last time with the, the absolutely, I can't think of any other word than epic. No other word than epic <laughs> can possibly uh, encapsulate the, the, this battle between the Monoptera and the Zarbi. Who are of course under the control of the shoot? I'm blanking. What's the, it called? The animus. The animus. Yes. Right. Um, so yeah, we uh, we we've got we got stuff going on. Um, meanwhile, uh, Ian um, and uh, and his Monoptera pal um, Vreston. Vreston. Yeah. All oh, right, because our, our ship is Vrestian. Right. Yeah. Um, so the Vrestian ship are are meeting with. The, the grub-like Optera, who are currently bowing but not groveling to <laughs> to Reston. Of course, in in Game of Thrones, they would often, you know, blow a huge budget on like giant epic battle in the second to last episode of the season. Uh-huh. But here in Doctor Who, they're doing it like right mid season at like the peak, the height of season two. Yes. Game of Thrones ain't got nothing on Doctor Who. <laughs> so we pick up this episode with Barstar and the other Monoptera that that they are with. That's the Barbara Crossstar ship. <laughs> As a reminder, in case you can't remember uh, all our ridiculous ship names, <laughs> Crossstar being one of the Monoptera. Uh-huh. So, so Barstar and the other Monoptera are surrounded by Zarbi. They are looking for a way to escape, but they don't really see one. Uh, that is, until Barbara is kind of like backing up again and, you know, trying to get away from Zarbi or whatever. Uh-huh. And she like backs up against a rock face and kind of like stumbles into the rock face. And it just so happens to be a secret door. Nice. So. She and Hrostar rush through the door, and it closes behind them, and it prevents the Zarbi and the Woodlice from following, and thus resolves the Cliff Dangler. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. It's a bit of a, um, I don't know, GM favor, I think, that we're getting <laughs> here. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, you guys could all die, um... And you've failed your uh, spot check or um, search roll to find the secret door, but maybe you hit it accidentally. Uh, I didn't really make a plan for if you get totally fucked in this <laughs> battle, so... Just roll a d20. Okay, am I trying to roll low or high? Just, just roll just it. Just roll. <laughs> <laughs> we cut over to Vicky and the Doctor who, as you may recall, are both wearing the gold control collars. Yes, yes, they've been space zombified. Right. Or have they? Well, as we watch, Vicky slowly opens her eyes and starts, like, kind of secretively, like, peering around the room. Aha! And she can see that the Zarbi are not really paying attention to her and the Doctor, and it becomes clear to we viewers 
that the gold control collar that Vicky's wearing does not seem to be working. Excellent. She is not inert. So she like uses her non-functional control collar to like take the doctor's collar off of him without <laughs> touching it herself. Whatever whatever zombie she got her control collar from was was just a poser. <laughs> it's not real gold. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's got the fool's gold collar. What is it? A uh, pyrite? Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> don't look it up. Actually, no, I'm pretty sure that's right. Go ahead and look it up. <laughs> but but only tell us about it if we're right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she gets the doctor's collar off of him. And he wakes up and she explains to him that she took a chance and she took the collar that the doctor had been messing with and put it on herself. Oh, nice. Good call. Yeah. And yeah, sure enough, whatever the doctor had done with the astral map, like, fucked the collar up. Nice. It didn't work. So she was not under control, but like the Zarbi didn't notice. Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, actually. And, like, very clever of Vicky to have thought of doing that. Yeah. The doctor had apparently been trying to reverse the force field from the collar. Oh, I mean, if it's got a force field on it, you just want to right. reverse it. <laughs> and, like, if if he was successful with doing that, he should be able to control the collar with his ring. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Uh-huh. <laughs> So he comes up with a plan, which he whispers to Vicky. We don't get to hear the plan. He whispers the plan to Vicky while he moves the non-functioning collar from her neck over onto his own. Okay. And, you know, after he does that, she, you know, kind of like acts like she's just been released from the control. (laughs) She, you know, kind of cries out. She kind of swoons a little bit, and one of the Zarbi comes over to check, like, check things out and check up on her. Uh Uh-huh. And when the Zarbi gets close enough to see the actually functional collar, like, on the ground, it, like, bends down to get a closer look at it, and the doctor takes the collar that he was fucking around with off of his own neck and puts it onto the Zarbi. Ah, how the tables have turned. And it works. The collar seems to actually function on the Zarbi. The Zarbi, like, goes inert and stops moving. And it seems that the doctor is able to control it with his ring. Nice. He basically just starts, like, waving his hand around and... The Zarbi, like, you know, kind of showing the ring to the Zarbi. And the Zarbi's head, like, tracks his ring hand in, you know, the same sort of way as if, like, you're holding Beans' favorite toy. And, like, he's watching you very intently. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm not sure if this is, like, high technology that we're seeing here. Or (laughs) he just has something that the Zarbi finds cool. Uh Uh-huh. So he decides, the doctor decides that it's probably about time to start Ging TFO. Mm-hmm. So he and Vicky head on out of the room, and they've got this one Zarbi with the collar on following them. Cool. Barbara, meanwhile, is 
exploring these caves that she has stumbled into. She's with a few other Monoptera. It's beautiful, Prepolis. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Prepolis. Prepolis, yeah. It must be a temple of light. The ancient song spinners of our race sang of their beauty, but I thought they could never be found again. Song spinners, I dig it. Temple yeah. of light, awesome. This is this is good. Yeah, we've getting some great names in here. Yeah, and yeah, like possibly more world building than we've had in a previous serial before. Yeah, yeah, I I like this serial. Yeah, I think you said that this this um, writer doesn't do any other serials though. This is like a I one think, and done. I think that's right. Yeah, uh, if bummer. I remember correctly, bummer. I remember saying like, well, if it's not any good, then that doesn't really matter because we don't have to worry about this person coming along later and giving us another stinker. But now I'm like, dang, <laughs> use some more of these. Maybe it would have been nice if he'd come along later and given us another one. Yeah. So this group of Monoptera that Barb is with meets up with a few more Monoptera who apparently came from, like, a different hidden tunnel that they found near the plateau where the spearhead landed. These Minoptera uh, apparently have the spearhead leader as part of their group. Oh, cool. Spearhead leader's name is Hylio, or Helio. I'm not, I'm not sure. Either way is good. I like it. Code words, electron. Yep. We know that from last time. They talk about how the spearhead got completely fucked. Yeah. They are basically all either dead or prisoners now. Mm -hmm. And since like the advance force got fucked, the spearhead got fucked. The main invasion force is probably also going to get fucked. (laughs) It's not going so well. Uh (laughs) Time to load your game. (laughs) It's, It's like one of these games, like, FTL or XCOM where, you know, once things start to go wrong, just just load yeah, your same like, game or hit new game or... There's yeah. kind of a, a bit of a slippery slope there. And like, <laughs> if you have, like, one thing go wrong in your XCOM mission, like, maybe you can still hold it together and get yeah. through, but as soon as, like, two or three things go wrong, it's just gonna, it's just gonna spiral down from there. I know some people really enjoy that feeling of like it's all going crashing down and uh, they just have to see how long they can delay the inevitable, but mm, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Prapolis starts talking about how before the Animus came, everything on Vortus was all like super peaceful and chill and shit. Light was our god and we existed in light flying above thought. Our banishment has taught us of enemies and weapons, and my captivity has taught me strategy. Dang, you guys, like, come on, come on, that's that's cool, right? Yeah, like, I thought that was pretty cool. I, I dig it. Also, moth people, <laughs> they really <laughs> like light. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, like, Prapolis is being, like, the sort of, like, philosopher warrior. Yeah. You know, thinking about you know, light and peace. And then like, you know, what, what have they actually gotten out of banishment and captivity? What Propolis has gotten is strategy. Yeah. And Propolis's strategy 
is to ask Barbara what she thinks they should do. <laughs> well, it's still a good strategy. She's a person <laughs> of action. Uh huh. Barbara asks what they would have done if the spearhead had been successful. And the Monoptera all explain that they would have gone to the center of the web where they would have used a living cell destructor. Apparently that's the isoptope. Oh, wow. A living cell destructor to destroy the animus. The web and the living thing behind it grows and spreads its evil around Vortis. This destructor would have reversed the process, made the cells grow inwards and die. Cool. Cool. This is, this is this is good stuff. Yeah, totally. Man, I just I, I like all these like you know concepts, the sci-fi um, vibe of it all. This is I like it. Mm-hmm. Barbara suggests that maybe they should just go ahead and like try getting the isoptope to the center and using it there anyway. Mm-hmm. Especially since like the only alternative is to not do anything. We're not doing that. And the Monoptera basically all agree. Cool. They they know a person of action when they see one. Yes. And I really appreciate that Barbara is absolutely being a person of action. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel like everyone is kind of getting a thing to do in this serial. Yeah. Like, everyone gets their little moments of heroism, which is nice. Yeah. Hey. How's the episode so far? You can share your thoughts by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweeting us at drwatcher. If you're enjoying our little podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. And now, let's get back to the episode. We cut back to Vrestian. The two of them are being led through various tunnels by these Optera. Uh, I described them as like slug-like or caterpillar-like. They have several appendages, and they have antennae, and they have these like big black eyes and stuff. I don't know if it's really antennae as much as just like sort of dangly noodly things. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's probably about time to go ahead and image search Optera Doctor Who. All right. Yep, yep, I love it. I love it. This yeah. this might be um my favorite costume yet in this serial. <laughs> it is a pretty great costume. But yeah, and the more I look at it, it's kind of making me think of like the flying spaghetti monster. I think those are noodles, not antennae. <laughs> I could see that. It's yeah. yeah, like the 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 caterpillars sort of have started evolving towards being a plate of spaghetti. Yeah. Also like the the big eyes and then the the little like light colored mouth underneath it's kind of giving me a common rider vibe um which is like this classic Japanese TV show um which I never really watched but I don't know that's apropos nothing I suppose. <laughs> So nothing really of consequence happens in this scene, just like Ian and Vreston being led through tunnels by the Optera. And then we cut back to Vicky and the Doctor and the one Zarbi that's following the Doctor's ring. Mm -hmm. They have left the carcinome, 
which of course is what they all call the head Q. And they have been traveling across the planet's surface for some time, and it's time to stop and take a, a short rest. Yeah, it's always cool in a squad-based game when something happens where an enemy unit or a unit that's that had previously up to that point always been an enemy unit is now on your squad. Yeah. And I assume that that's what's going on with the Zarbi. Yeah, pretty much. So they sit down to take a rest. Vicky starts telling the doctor that she's really growing fond of Zombo. Which <laughs> Zombo is, the Zarbi. Yeah, that's what she's named the Zarbi. <laughs> Zombo, it's his name. I gave it to him. I like that. She comments to the doctor about how cute Zombo is. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, Well, I haven't noticed it before, my dear, but since you mentioned it, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky's just Zing. like, I've told you before not to judge by appearances. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's Vicky's good heart there. Yeah. Back in the tunnels that the Optera are leading Reston and Ian through... The way forward is blocked by some stalagmites and stalactites, so the Optera just, like, bash their way through them with these, like, hitting implements. Nice. Are the hitting implements also made of crystal? I think so, yeah. Pretty sure. I'll just assume that they were. Yeah. So, once they've bashed through them and gone into the next part of the tunnel, they run into some dead ends. A silent wall. We must make mouths in it with our weapons. Then it will speak more light. I like that. Yeah, Ian's just like, uh, do you mean we should dig holes in it? Because you could just say we should dig holes in it. (laughs) (laughs) But that wouldn't sound as cool. Come Uh on. Vrestin calls out for him, uh... Of course, I haven't mentioned this in a couple episodes, but Vrestin calls him Heron. Yeah. So Vrestin calls for Heron. Ian goes to check on Vrestin, and Vrestin seems to be struggling to hold something up on the ceiling of the cave. It's like going to collapse or whatever. Oh, dang. Ian steps in to hold it. Nice. Which allows Vrestin to get free. And once Vrestin is clear, then Ian steps aside and just, like, lets it collapse. <gasps> he saved it! And oh my gosh, this ship just went up a notch. Yeah, yeah, this is totally a, a save, save the Monoptera moment. Yes. You know, anytime you need to get the audience on the site, I mean, they're already on the inside. Of but, course. But yeah, you gotta have them save the Monoptera. <laughs> yes. So Ian steps aside... Rocks come tumbling down from the ceiling. And nobody dies. Uh, nobody dies, <laughs> <laughs> which is unusual in rocks tumbling. Yes. It it does, like, block up the passage, though. They can no longer go back the way they came from. Well, they weren't planning on it anyway, because they're going forward. Indeed. Forward through digging. We cut back to Barbara, who is helping the Monoptera plan their attack on the center. Nice. Yeah, so Barbara's plan is that if they have most of the group like doing a mock attack on the south part of the carcinome, that's going to draw the Zarbi. They'll have like one person sneak around to the north part of the carcinome and get into the center that way. Nice. Classic. So Good strategy. Good strategy. Always got to have a nice distraction. 
And just then, as they're working out the plan, the Monoptera, who is standing guard, alerts them that a Zarbi's coming. So everybody scrambles to, like, get the doors closed and locked and everything, but it's too late. The Zarbi arrives, followed a moment later by the Doctor and Vicky. Oh, it's Zombo. It's Zombo. Zombo. Everyone cheers because Zombo is here. Yay. Yay. We cut back to Vrestian and the Optera. The Optera are, you know, digging through the walls, as is the plan. But one of the Optera, whose name we learn is Nemini. Cool. Nemini digs into an underground pool of acid. Dang it, Nemini. The liquid egg from above! Yep, yep, that would describe a pool of acid. Yep. Ian tells Nemini to get away, but Nemini basically sacrifices themselves, sticking their head, like, into the hole to, like, block the flow of acid coming oh, out. Oh, man, hardcore. Yeah. I would say pour one out for Nemini, but <laughs> too soon. Maybe not appropriate in this situation. <laughs> Stop one up for Nemini. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the other Optera just kind of, like, shrug and explain that it's basically this is an ever-present danger that they just have to deal with. Dang. And they That's all... Rough. Yeah. They all, like, kind of move a bit farther down the line and, like, dig there instead. Uh-huh. And, and they break through the wall. We cut back to the Temple of Light, where Barbara has just finished hosting her own little mini in-person Doctor's Watcher episode for the Doctor. Nice. She's, you know, gotten him all caught up on what's been going on in her storyline. Okay, so then the Doctor, of course, goes and leaves a five-star review in iTunes. Right, Which Barbara very much appreciates. (laughs) And the Doctor gets some more information about the Animus from Prapolis. And with this new information that he gathers, he realizes that the Animus is basically feeding off of the magnetic core of the planet Vortis. Yes! Oh man, they just can't leave these magnetic cores yeah. alone. <laughs> we, we know full well that magnetic cores are very important for energy. Yes. Whether you're trying to drive the planet around the galaxy or just grow a carcinome. Yes. Very important either way. Gotta tap into the magnetic core. <laughs> yes. Prapolis says that this would explain why these new moons are in the sky. Remember, the doctor had said that, like, Vortis doesn't have any moons, but Uh there are clearly moons here. This would explain that. They were apparently drawn here by the power. And the doctor realizes that this is also why the TARDIS is here. It was also drawn here by that power. Cool. So... I guess that's another good use for magnetic cores of planets <laughs> is like if you want to steal a TARDIS of your own, just start tapping into the magnetic core and like you'll start drawing <laughs> TARDI to you. TARDISes. TARDISes. He does think that Barbara's plan of attack is a good one, mm-hmm. which he's right, it is. But he wants to be the one 
to take the isoptope up to the center of the carcinome. Uh, he wants to be a person in action. One of the Monoptera isn't really into this. Our wise men have put all their skill into this one isoptope. I cannot yield it to a stranger. But Frostar talks them into trusting the doctor because it seems that he can get past the Zarbi safely. Mm-hmm. So Helio gives the isoptope to the doctor. You, you, you gotta have your PC be the one to do the uh, the big, you know, climactic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's no fun to just have it be like an off-screen NPC adventure. Yes. Propolis asks if the doctor can leave Zombo behind. <laughs> he too has grown fond of Zombo. Uh-huh. He, he's very fond of Zombo, and he thinks that Zombo might come in handy in the mock attack. Oh, right, yeah. I'm not entirely sure, like, what the plan is with Zombo, but... Zombo can be like, they're over here. Come on, <laughs> uh-huh. guys. Beep, 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 beep. Yes. Beep, beep, beep. Yes. Oh, Zombo. Classic Zombo. Uh-huh. The doctor's like, eh, I don't know. I'd have to, like, give you my ring to control Zombo. And that is of untold value. Cool. Propolis is like, dude... I just gave you our only fucking isoptope. Yeah, he's like, well, I've already got it. (laughs) Barbara comes over to smooth things out between the Doctor and Propolis, which she does by gently encouraging the Doctor to hand over his fucking ring so Propolis can use Zombo. (laughs) So the Doctor grumbles and complains, but he does. He hands it over. He wouldn't be the Doctor if he wasn't grumbling and complaining. Uh Uh-huh. Propolis accepts the ring and asks, May I know its secret? And the doctor's like, You may not use it and return. (laughs) Propolis is like, Dude, chill out. And the doctor's like, I'll fucking cut you if you scratch my ring. (laughs) Vicky and the doctor start heading across the soundstage toward the back of the carcinome, and the doctor gives Vicky the isoptope. It'd probably be less conspicuous with you. The doctor didn't even want it, really. Uh-huh. The camera cuts to the inside of the carcinome, and it's all quiet. All the Zarbi are just, like, standing basically inert. The flashing lights on the wall are turned off. Mm-hmm. Quiet and dark. And then we cut back to Ian and Vreston and the Optera, who have apparently tunneled their way to directly beneath the room that the Animus is in. Mm. Vreston asks what they should do, and Ian says, We go up! Yes. It's a good time. Uh-huh. Outside the main carcinome entrance, Prapolis and Hrostar and Zombo and all of the other remaining Monoptera are all waiting for Barbara's signal to start the mock distraction attack. She wants to wait just a little bit longer to make sure that the doctor has enough time to reach his objective. But we cut back to Vicky and the doctor, and as soon as they enter the carcinome, the flashing lights on the wall start flashing, the Zarbi beeping starts beeping, and all of the Zarbi, like, wake up and basically, like, 
quickly surround them. Seems like if you'd started your distraction attack sooner, then maybe that wouldn't have happened. Like, I'm right. not sure what she was like, waiting for. I thought the whole idea of the distraction was to draw the Zarbi away in order to be able to reach the objective. Yes. But now she's, like, wanting him to reach the objective before she starts the attack. All right. Well, maybe we just missed something. Yeah, unclear. So, yeah, Vicky and the Doctor get surrounded by Zarbi, and the Zarbi, you know, kind of shove them around and herd them over to a particular spot where this the weird sort of tendril gun thingy on the wall that we saw earlier a few episodes ago, it raises up and it makes like a whooshy noise and it flashes some lights and we cut back to Vicky and the doctor and they are now covered in webbing. Oh no. At least they're sticking to the theme. Yeah. Seems that the tendril gun thingy on the wall has shot webs all over them. And now they can't move here on the web planet. And with that, the words next episode, the center, appear on screen. Bum bum bum. Of course. Being a British show, center is spelled R-E. Of course. Just, you know, just to be clear. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't have, like, thought of that unless you pointed it out, but yes, that is that is the way they spell it. Cool. Well, this continues to be a very entertaining serial. Um, I still love just how weird it is. Yeah, totally. Definitely one of the weirder ones we've ever had. <laughs> Um, I know we like, talked about like how, how this one's more child-friendly than some of the previous ones, yeah. um, but we have had a grub person stick their head into a, <laughs> a tunnel or a hole that they just dug and get dissolved by acid, so that happened. True. Like, yeah, that was a, that was a rough moment, you know, the... Whatever whatever money the effects budget had left over from the epic mega battle in the previous episode... <laughs> was spent, you know, showing us like the the melting and sizzling and uh no, I'm I'm joking. Okay, I was wondering like how much do you add does it just cut away or pretty much, yeah. Like yeah. Nemini kinda shoves their head in the hole and then we just like cut over to the other opter who just like, mm, that kinda sucks. <laughs> oh jeez. Well, respect. Yeah, definitely stop one up for Nemini. Yeah. Well, we seem to be uh, approaching a climax here. Um, I have to say we've got two different plans going on at the same time, and ideally they would, uh, you know, by happenstance coincide in terms of their, their timing here. Right. Yeah, we've got Ian and Reston and the Doctor and Vicky both heading towards the Animus. Yeah, and I think overall um, Ian and Reston probably don't have this quite as well planned out as uh, the Doctor yeah, and Vicky it doesn't, do. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be. They don't have the, the isoptope. Um, they don't right. have any distraction plan. They're just going for it. That was kind of strange with the whole distraction thing, though. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Not sure what happened there. I kind of feel like the Doctor and Vicky probably could have 
made it to the center if like Barbara had actually done the plan that they that Barbara herself had come up with. This is a very D and D thing, though. That's like, true. That's I've, true. I've been in several groups where we come up with a plan, and then you know, five minutes in, we're just like, "No, I'm just going to attack them. Roll for initiative." <laughs> well, I guess in two weeks, our listeners can find out just if the animus is in the center. Yes. Or or what is in the center? Well, if it's not, then then we're all in trouble. I've actually thought about like, wouldn't it be hilarious if the the animist is like a giant candle, <laughs> and like that that's why it's so dangerous to the monoptera. Uh-huh. <laughs> if they get too close to it, then they just get inexorably sucked in. And... Yes. Uh, and then we'll have those heartbreaking moments in our our ships, our bar star and uh, Restian. Where Ian and Barbara have to like hold them back and say, no, no, stay away from the light. Don't go to the light. <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. What is in the center of the web? Hmm? Do you know? No. No one knows. An alien from the darkness of space, but the shape inside the cocoon. But if if it arrived here from another planet, surely someone must have seen it. Our legends of it only begin when it was already thinking itself into the crannies of Vortis and the mines of the Zabi, spreading its webs.